See, if, if you get, if something happens and, you know, you, you, we see in the movies and the scenarios where somebody gets stranded somewhere and the realizations sit in that they might be there for a while, what is listed as the number one thing? The most important thing is to make sure that you can find a source of water. Matter of fact, we know that the science tells us that we are approximately 60% water. So staying hydrated is very, very important. Studies show that many of us are going through life. Matter of fact, if somebody were to come in now and we were to be tested, you'd be amazed at how many of us would be either dehydrated or borderline dehydrated. And the truth is, we can become so accustomed to our thirst that we don't even realize how desperate we are for water. But there's some serious things that happens with your body when you're dehydrated. Some of the interesting I looked at some of the symptoms, I looked them up and they're very interesting. Your body struggles to control its internal temperature when it's dehydrated. Did you know that your brain actually shrinks when you're dehydrated? Let that sink in for a moment. Dehydration can put a strain on your heart. You can pass out. You could even die. So just how many of us do not get the proper, many of us do not get the amount of proper water to stay healthy. But let me tell you something. Spiritual dehydration is a chronic problem in this nation. Matter of fact, I'm going to rephrase this a little bit. Spiritual dehydration is a pandemic. <laughs> Yet we fail to acknowledge the danger levels of being so thirsty. You know, David put, hit it on the psalm. I've already read part of Psalm 63. Verse 1 and 2 says this, and I'm just going to hit the highlights and the points really quickly. He says, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So the question I want us to answer for ourselves today, how thirsty are we really? David wrote the psalm here while he was in the, in the desert of Judah. And here's the interesting thing about this. is This is a desert area he knew very well, but the circumstance with which he found himself out there was during the time that his own son Absalom had rebelled against him. And he, in a desire, I mean, how many know you don't want to go to war with your children? Right? Sometimes it may feel like that, but you don't, usually you don't want to do that. Now, while, while Absalom was completely out to take over what, uh, what God had given David, David, instead of fighting this battle, he slides out and he's in the desert in that moment and in that circumstance. And you can see in him this desire. You can see in him his, this condition. You can imagine he's out there. Can you imagine the emotional toll that would be? And he looks around, and he sees his circumstance, and he begins to describe his thir circumstance. 
And this was an area he knew very well. And, it's, and so he writes this psalm in that circumstance, beginning to look out and see what's around him. And he really equates that to the spiritual circumstance as well. And the interesting thing about this psalm will become such a, a key and pivotal psalm that was sung again and again for, for centuries whenever the children of Israel would find themselves in such a horrible situation. When they were taken into captivity after they became a nation, when they were taken, after the nations fell and they were taken into captivity into Babylon for 70 years, they were 500 miles away from home, many of them. This was a psalm that they would go to because they couldn't go to the temple. There they were. And of late, I've been, I've been in this, been attuned to this, just this idea, this, this hunger, this thirst of how spiritually dehydrated we can become. You know, as I read the Psalms, I noticed three things that can help us, keep us from being spiritually dehydrated as I read this Psalm. Number one, what's the first thing we have to do? We have to identify where we are. David knew he was in the desert. He knew it was dry. In verse 1, he says, already, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David knew this place well. This wasn't the first time he'd been out there because it was right there in his own country. He knew what it was like. He knew that it was parched. He knew that it was dry. He knew that it was thirsty. And he knew that rehydrating our spirit must start with an accurate realization of where we are. We have to look around and see with the right eyes and say, you know what? I'm in the desert. It's dry here. It's parched here. No wonder I feel like that there's something missing. And one of the things that I notice here, David, even though he was out there, he wasn't struggling with the idea of mirages. We've all seen the cartoons and the movies and so forth where somebody's out in the dry desert land and they see this mirage and they're acting like they're bathing or swimming and they're splashing sand. See, David wasn't suffering from mirage. He knew exactly where he was at. He, he identified where he was. He was in the desert, and it was dry, and it was thirsty. And because of the circumstances going on around him, it wasn't just physically, it was spiritually. See, many, unfortunately, in a desert place, and they don't realize it. They're buying the mirage that the world is selling all around them. Oh, you're really Okay. You just need a little more of this product. You can buy this for $19.95 for 16 months. <laughs> and we're told that we're okay, and we're not. We live in a world that is spiritually, I mean, this morning as we got here early and I was praying, it's like, Lord, if only we could open, if you could open our spiritual eyes and we could truly see how dry and how thirsty and how weary of a land that we are in spiritually. Lord, help us to see that. We need to open our spiritual eyes. We need to look past the mirages. 
See, I don't intend to be like the church of Laodicea. Jesus himself in Revelation 3, 17 and 18 says, because you say, notice he's talking to the church, he's saying, you, this is what you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have a need of nothing, and I do not know, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich with white garments and that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with a salve that you may see. See, it's time we let the Holy Spirit call us to account so that he can remind us of how truly dry, how truly weary, how truly threadbare we really are. How much we can't see the reality of what's around us. We need to refocus. We need to turn to where true wealth can be found. We need to be clothed in his righteousness on ours. Lord, give me a salve so that I can see how thirsty I really am. The second thing I see here is that, is that he says, you know, after you identify where you are, you need to acknowledge your greatest need. When you're out in a desert, what's your greatest need? Not sunscreen oil, water. Sunscreen might be a close second. But the first step is always acknowledging. Any any 10-step program you find, what's the first thing? You have to acknowledge that you have a problem. (laughs) David Grew up around this region. He knew what it was like. That's why he says, my whole body longs for you. Every cell in me on the spiritual level and the, and the natural level, every molecule, everything in me cries out for you. Because he realized he can't live without him. Then he says, verse 2 and 3, so I, now here's his answer to this. I'm, I'm thirsty, I'm dry, I'm in a desert, I need water, and then here's his response. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is greater than life. My lips shall praise you. Think about that pursuit of God. Think about here he's acknowledging how badly he's, he's dry. How badly, how many of you want to go get a drink of water right now? <laughs> I told Kim, I said, you know, I said, I wonder if I get on this, how many people are going to be running in and out to get water? I mean, I'm talking about it. My lips are getting dry. But I want you to notice here that David acknowledged that his lips were dry. And what was his solution? My very lips will praise your name. David acknowledges God's presence. He knows where he's at. He knows where he is. He was in, he was basically in the wilderness. Real quickly, I want to touch on something that happened in a wilderness that was known as the wilderness of sin. There's another time that God's people were in a desert before David's time, and it's found in Exodus chapter 17, verse 3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our own livestock with thirst? I want you to notice something here. 
How many miracles have they seen to get them this far? And what they do? I mean, it wasn't that they weren't correct. They correctly assessed the situation. Hey, we're in the desert and there's no water. So what they do? They went and complained. They went to Moses. They went to another person like them and said, you got to do something about this. I want you to notice something. With all the miracles they had seen, why didn't they go to the source? We need to go to the source. And all their stubbornness was the biggest part of their situation than anything else. But yet, Moses, you did this. No, he didn't. See, the first place we should go is we need to acknowledge our need for the source. Complaining is never the way. Crying out in humility to a holy God is. God, I told you I'd be quick, so i got to move. <laughs> Psalms 18.6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. That's taking it to the source. It takes a deliberate act of repenting and turning back to God and humbly asking and not some quick, casual approach to the altar, but a true pursuit of God. You know what, though? God, by his grace, gave them water. And guess what? He told Moses, gave him incredible instructions. They had a place called Horeb. And he said, I want you to take your staff and I want you to go to this rock and I want you to strike the rock. And I'm going to send forth water to water these people. And he did. And God did. Later on, they would find themselves in the same type of situation. And God would say, now go speak to the rock at Meribah and I'll send forth water. Moses got mad and he struck the rock. Water came out, but God pulled Moses aside. Okay, when we reach the promised land, you don't get to go in. Why? Have you ever wondered why? Doesn't that seem a little harsh? Can I tell you why? The rock was representative of our rock, Jesus. And Jesus was not struck twice. He was struck once. And after that, the living water flowed. And all we have to do is ask. So what's the third thing I see? Once we've identified where we are, once we've acknowledged our greatest need, guess what's next? We need to obtain that living water. We need to go to the source. Well, you know what I love about David? David made his mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But the thing I love about him was he always knew where the source was. And when he got in trouble, he would go directly to the source. I love reading the psalm. I'm obsessed right now with the psalms of David just because I love how human he is and how he would get in a situation and he'll complain and he'll complain and say, God, they're doing this to me. They're doing that. I'm facing this thing and then that. But you watch at some point he realizes, whoa, I need to go back to the source and the psalm will shift. And he begins to talk about how great his God is. Let's 
finish this Psalm 63, verse 4 through 8. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied with morrow and fatness. And that may be kind of weird, but that's like the richest of foods, the most satisfying. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night. Watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. you your right hand upholds me. You know what the truth is? We know where we are. We know what we need. We even know the source. So why are we dry? Let that sink in for a moment. We know all this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. So why are we dry? Kind of like the woman at the well. I love the story where Jesus is heading to Jerusalem and kind of takes a shortcut through Samaria. And he sends the disciples away for food and he's there at the well and this woman comes, the Samaritan woman to draw water. And verse 10 is a key verse. Jesus answered her, her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Isn't it interesting how we claim to be friends with the source? It's not a mystery where we get this water. Because so many times we don't go there. We try every other thing. Just when we take the time to get our share and to rehydrate, to go to the source. You know what I love about this story? This lady had an encounter with God. She got what she needed. Jesus ministered to her, and, and her life was turned around. And what was the next thing she did? She goes, she ran to the town, and she came, and she told everybody, come see the man that told me everything I ever did. And she shared the source. And literal revival hit that town. I believe we should all pray as David did. And we should pray often. He, you see the longing. You see all the things. We should desperately desire God's presence in our personal lives. See, as I said, spiritual dehydration is a pandemic. And yet we fail to acknowledge the danger levels of our thirst. There is nothing that we face if we would just get thirsty, if we would identify that we're in a desert, if we would understand, if we would acknowledge the fact that, that a drink from the living well of water is exactly the greatest thing we need. And then if we would make an effort to obtain that water by getting on our face before him and worshiping him and interacting with him, then all of a sudden our spiritual dehydration, we become rehydrated. And can you imagine what a bunch of rehydrated Christians could accomplish if we were all full of living water? I love the term that is used for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we picture one thing, but really, you know what the, the root means? It means that you're saturated. You ever had a saturated sponge? 
It is not dry. We've all left sponges out, right? And they just become this brittle, hard thing. You're like, is there any life left in this? This ain't dead. <laughs> and you put a little bit of water on it, parts, part of it begins to soften back up. And that's good. But have you ever picked up that sponge that is saturated? I mean, you can't touch it without getting wet. Let me know that that's what Christ wants for us. How much more effective would we be as believers if we were so saturated that anybody that touched us got a little on them? Isn't that what we see in the book of Acts as they were going around? They were so full of the Spirit that at times they were lining people up and Peter walked by and just his shadow would fall on them and they'd get healed. That's where we need to be. See, the truth is, this book hasn't changed. His word is still accurate. There is no expiration date on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the limitations that we put because we won't allow ourselves to be saturated. This morning, I want us to go back into worship for a moment. And your assignment is simple. I can't, you know, have you ever heard the statement, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink? There is nothing we can do to force the pursuit. But if we will go to the source ourselves, and, and make an effort. We've been doing 21 days of fasting and, and prayer, and I appreciate the response. We had, we've had over 60 people take at least one day for this, and, and praise God for that. And I know some of it are repates, but it's pretty cool that every single day of those 21 days has been more than multiple people have been praying and fasting on those days. And I believe we're seeing the fruit of that. There's seven days left. Seven days left. You can go to the app. You can sign up. But just let's seek him. Let's, let's pray until the rain comes. Let's pray until the dry and thirsty land is saturated. I, I can't help but think as I'm talking about this a dream that a friend of mine had. And this was several years back when we first got here. And I got a phone call one day. I was up here at the church. And she said, can I swing by? I said, sure. So we were standing right here in the sanctuary. We were just beginning to draw up the plans for the expansion that we now enjoy. She said, I had a dream last night. She said, I dreamed about you and the church and she said what I saw she said what I saw was just dry land everywhere and she said here 
there was just a gentle, soaking, nonstop rain that was falling. She said everything was green. You know what's crazy? She pointed out to the part where we had the little retention area. I mean, we were just beginning to talk about what it looked like, but she pointed to the very spot. And she said, there was a pond right there. And it was full of water. She said, there was plenty of water. She said, I saw you wade out into it and just float, just enjoying it. I was working on this, I couldn't help but think of that again. Because to me, her pointing at that spot was confirmation that it was real. We haven't seen that yet. I believe it's coming. I believe we're experiencing the beginnings of that. If you want that, and you're thirsty for that, and you desire that, all that means is that we all, if we will just go to the source, if we'll become hungry and thirsty enough that we will pursue it like somebody that has been stranded in the desert and they realize how dehydrated they are, if we will do that, I believe that God will answer that cry. You know what? It's not like we're asking for something he doesn't want to do. Let's get thirsty. Let's pursue him. Let's call out to God that very thing. Say, Lord, let it rain. Come on, bring it.